0: You know what? Let's just, let's just get it out there, Jack. I really (laughs) fucked up. Not really. I forgot to hit record. I forgot to hit record on Zoom. You know what happens? This week, (laughs) there won't be any visual to go along with it. But thank God, like, Jack was not wearing headphones and recorded two different tracks that you can hear Dr. Uma's voice on. Who is just the dearest, most wonderful human? And I was going to cry because this episode is phenomenal. It's so good. <laughs> and it's like out of all of our guests, great magic.
2: Like we have guests where, you know, sometimes we can be silly with, sometimes, you know, we're personal friends with. Dr. Uma is a guest that Danielle and I just highly look up to for her um, achievements in academia and in medicine. So that is just so funny. I'm so grateful that we figured this out, but we are so happy that you are here with us today. Happy Friday, WOMED fam. This is part two with Dr. Uma Naidu. Dr. Uma is a nutritional psychiatrist at Harvard Medical School. She's a professional chef, a best-selling author. She founded and directs the first hospital-based nutritional psychiatry service in the U.S. at MassGen. She is truly just an expert in this field, and we are so grateful to have her on. Last week, we released our episode, part one, with Dr. Uma that we recorded last year, getting into her book. This is Your Brain on Food, which talks all about different mental health conditions in relation to your gut microbiome and your gut-brain connection. So this week, we have her back on to discuss her new book, which is called Calm Your Mind with Food. This dives deep into your, can I talk today? Are we okay? Your gut-brain connection. Are we okay? With anxiety. Do we have anxiety? What is going on? Usually I think I'm more of like a depression, Uh, saddy girl, but like maybe it's the anxiety. Who knows? Anyway, welcome to part two of this episode with Dr. Uma. We will catch you on the other side of this episode.
0: Oh my gosh. The way your presence just warms my heart so much. And before we got on, I just worked out and I was like, okay. I've got the endorphins going. What can I do to keep the endorphins going? Because, you know, we're having Dr. Uma on and like she's an endorphin burst. But like food wise, I have to nourish my body. And I was like, okay, your body needs protein. So I made myself like this really good kale and blueberry smoothie with like peanut butter, protein powder, some like extra greens, cashew yogurt. So it's delicious. And some ginger and lemon. Just for like all the good things
1: so it sounds delicious to me it is it's really good sounds like it's very nourishing and and kind of what your body needs post-workout right so <laughs> right
0: <laughs> thanks okay jack your turn try and get dr uma's
2: approval <laughs> i'm already like well into the new book so i cannot wait to jump into this conversation thank you
1: thanks for having me back you know one of the things i realized was and I'm sure you eat sort of what do you do as well. What transpired in the last few years is such a, a burst of anxiety for everyone. And it felt like we just needed more solutions. And we needed the solutions to be in one place. You know, it was a friend and colleague gave me a compliment. I wanted to share it because it kind of speaks to the work a little bit. She said, you know, what the books do, both book one and then book two, the second book, Can Calm Your Mind, is with who, to they put the information you need in one place. And so she said, you know, I don't have to keep searching online and finding different blogs and pieces of information. And I thought that was actually, I never thought about it that way, but it, it's sort of the intention of what I wanted to bring forward to for people for the mental being.
2: So obviously we, you know, had you on about this time last year to discuss This Is Your Brain on Food, which went through, you know, the science of fighting mental health conditions, including anxiety, but also depression, trauma, OCD, ADHD. And so your new book, like you just mentioned, Calm Your Mind with Food is a full-body approach to addressing anxiety and kind of similarly has lots of anti-anxiety recipes, uh, a meal plan guidelines. But I loved how in the beginning of the book, you talk about how you struggled with your own anxiety and how that kind of encouraged you to address anxiety in the new book. I mean, on top of anxiety being the most commonly diagnosed mental health condition, so many people struggle with it. So this is such a great resource. But can you share a little bit more about your own personal experience with anxiety and how it led you to this book?
1: Sure. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to share conceptually in this book were a few things. One, that anxiety doesn't always come from bad negative sources. Anxiety can happen on its own. It can also happen when good things are happening in your life. And one of the things that, you know, we spoke last year, and one of the things that happened with my first book is that it was first released during the pandemic, the height of the pandemic. And I was very devastated feeling I'd written, done all this work and no one's going to see it. Everything really was shut down at that point. We were right at the beginning. And lo and behold, the book took off and people, I guess, started trying the recipes and reading it and finding it. And so what happened was a very beautiful and blessed thing is that I was getting more interviews and more press. And it really was very, very positive. But it got me to the point of feeling like or it was running all the time. And it was between this interview and that podcast and wanting to share the book more. And it really kind of got me to a point where I was very stressed by the positive effect of the book. I know that doesn't always make sense, but stress can come from those things too. And it really impacted my metabolism, it impacted my sleep. And even though things were on the, was actually going well, I was feeling it in a different way in my body and i wanted to share with people that it is not always that something bad or terrible has to happen that anxiety can come from these sources we still have to find solutions and one of the ways that i had to find my own way forward was really reconnecting with my meditation practice and getting back into a routine around my exercise because some of those things so easily fall off when a you're feeling very overwhelmed and anxious and stressed you're making poor decisions and B, you're so busy, it feels like, well, you know, I'll, I'll go to the gym tomorrow. I'll work, you know, you always put something off. So A, I'm, I'm really excited to and encourage you here that you, you work the today day because it's put it all in into a day. And that was important for me to bring forward. That's
0: something I really, I feel, really resonates with us. And I definitely know it resonates with Jack too, is she's such a wealth of knowledge and like mindfulness practice. But... I feel like personally I've been on this sort of journey where I was having all this really, really good like anxiety, but I was still anxiety and trying to like you know fit everything in. But then my life kind of took this like major turn back in June end of June, and my relationship ended. I was like alone in this new city, and my anxiety symptoms just started compounding, and I had never really had it that bad before. So I just kept, sounds kind of silly maybe, but obviously when like you're going through something like that, eating and stuff is not easy. It's not necessarily at the forefront. You've got all these other physical manifestations of anxiety and depression. And I kept thinking, I'm like, okay, I know I need to eat. I know I need to give my body something because I feel awful right now because anxiety is taking over and I'm nauseous. But just trying to find those moments and trying to find really like nutrient dense food really, really helped me. And I kept thinking back to you and like some of your recipes and stuff like that of like, especially some of your teas and stuff really helped me find
1: some peace. Thank you for sharing that, because in a similar way and at a different point, I was kind of going through the reasons, but similar sort of thing. Like, it's funny how when you feel that stressed, lunch doesn't become important, mm-hmm. you know, getting to the podcast on time becomes important or answering the phone call from the reporter or getting that clinical the work done in between everything else that's going on. And that's when, you know, your lens towards the better choices or making sure that you get to the gym that day just really get lost mm-hmm. and you can then kind of wake up one day and say well i'm sleeping poorly now i'm very very stressed and i need to get back on targets and i'm really happy to hear that you did that but mm-hmm. it's true you know just finding just making sure that i had those teas that i love and some of the new ones that i talk about in the new book were important because they were hydrating and when you're dehydrated you can actually feel more anxious mm-hmm. and Sometimes anxiety also causes people not to be able to eat. They are so nauseous so uncomfortable that they can't get food in. So that's when I've with my patients, I work on actually a nutrition smoothie. At least make mm. the smoothie the day before, like put the ingredients in. And the next day, no matter what happens, commit to having that and then have some other nutrient-dense choices available. Because what would happen is they would not be eating. And they would be losing weight, but for the wrong reasons. You know, we we, we want to be at a healthy weight, but try to achieve that. But at the same time, not by not eating. You know, that's that's not the way. So it's like a puzzle. It's really like a puzzle.
2: It is interesting, too, because I know for me from personal experience about anxiety and eating, I've tended to like overeat or just snack to mask the anxiety and so I don't even know that the anxiety is there like subconsciously well I'm feeling this anxiety and I don't want to feel this anxiety so how can I distract myself oh those salty chips in the cupboard that's how I'm going to distract myself from this anxiety and in the book you talk a lot about the appetite hormone leptin can you give us like the basic understanding for our listeners about leptin and how it ties into this conversation of anxiety
1: Yes. Yeah, so you know, the reason I felt it was helpful to share something in the, in the, in the book, I go deeper into the mechanism of lectin, uh, leptin and um, actually I talk about lectins as well in a different place, but right here uh, in terms of metabolism, leptin is important. It's the hunger hormone that reminds us that we're satiated or full. So you eat your dinner and you're know you ready to take that walk or have a, have a glass of water Or you know, do something after dinner. You're not sort of saying, Well, you know, I had dinner, but gee, I hope there's more because I'm still hungry. And when we are stressed, when things get out of whack, one of the reasons is also just eating poorly. So our habits start to evolve or change. You know, talk about some case studies in the book as well. And we start to just, whatever reason maybe, maybe we just diving into fast foods all the time or eating out a lot. What can happen when we get into these phases is leptin can sort of malfunction and reach a point of becoming, le- we reach leptin resistance. And what that means is it doesn't remind us to shut off our hunger. We have that plate of food and we want more, we want snacks. And we want, you know, chips and popcorn and ice cream and it goes on and on. And whichever meal it is, it's not working. So it's not telling us that we satiated before. And that's when, over time, you can become metabolically unfit. Now, about 92 to 93 percent of Americans have some abnormal uh, metabolic parameter. So we don't all have metabolic syndrome, but many of us actually are on the verge of it because our mostly standard American diet. And so, becoming aware of this, eating those powerful antioxidant, anti inflammatory foods, drinking those calming teas, hydrating, leaning into plant rich foods, having clean proteins it could be tofu or chicken, whatever it is your choice those things become so important to sort of rebalance not only that microbiome away from inflammation, but also take us a step back from uh, leptin resistance. So there's, there's a whole lot more information in the book, but it's just conceptually something that's important for us to understand because we go through these phases and don't realize, wow, my appetite has really changed. And it it could be one of the signals. It may not be the only thing, but it could be one of the signals.
0: You're just such a wealth of knowledge. I will literally praise you all day long. So getting into kind of a little bit more of the gut microbiome. And I know that's kind of, it's a little bit of like a buzzword now, I feel like with, you know, what's the good bacteria, we've got XYZ in our pre and probiotics. But I was wondering if you could go into like a little bit more how bacteria is linked. And you know, maybe like the key to controlling our anxiety in the gut, like what some studies are showing.
1: So what I think is interesting, and and you're absolutely right, uh, you know, the gut microbiome, probiotics, prebiotics, these are very fancy buzzwords and and lots of different pieces about it. But let's let's stick to the basics. We slowly know and through research and understanding more about the actual contents of the gut microbiome. We know that, for one thing, each person is pretty unique in terms of their constellation of their gut microbes and gut microbiome. We also now know that certain microbes respond in anxiety, help anxiety, or harm anxiety. And I go through the different strands in the book. So one of the healthy principles to put this information together is to really think about what are the things that will, for the most part, keep our microbiome healthy. Because the moment that we start to develop dysbiosis and inflammation in the gut, over time, that's going to lead to neuroinflammation. So a simple thing can be hard. I may not know the exact strain and by the way there are private microbiome companies now that can test your microbiome and tell you kind of what's what's going on in the strains and, and make you know kind of give you some important and helpful information. But if you just are on your own not feeling good or feeling like, you know, the eating off kilter, you can start to self correct that by moving to healthy whole foods you can start to cut back on those unhealthy foods, make those healthy, healthy swaps. So for ice cream, you know, if it's a tub of ice cream that you're used to, you know, using that recipe from my first book for ice cream made from fruit, even a chocolate flavor. So that's just a healthier version that you can eat. And what, what I find is when we're actually eating versions of whole foods, because of the fiber and the nutrients, we're more satiated. So you don't need that huge bowl of three scoops or something, you just, you need a lot less. But the moment we start including those foods, we go back to that anti-anxiety shopping list, you know, and use the use sort of examples of what to do every day as a guideline. If you don't do everything perfectly, it's okay. But the principle is you are actually eating food. You're not eating a processed version of, you know, broccoli and cauliflower are also buzzwords, right? Because now there are broccoli nuggets and cauliflower pizza, and all these things. And some of them are highly processed. The fact that they are snack food or they are crust you know, if you make meat it from scratch at home, very different product, right? But most of the time, if we are just getting it from the freezer section and it looks like a healthy snack or a healthy substitute for something else we're eating, it's still highly processed. So I think that that's where we just want to be careful about how we make adjustments and what we do to nourish those microbes, because what they need is fiber. And fiber comes from whole plant foods and beans and seeds and gills. And that's an easy eating to do.
2: I love this this conversation because, and your approach, because I, I think it provides people with realistic, like set things to try and do. But something we kind of talked about in our last conversation was when people are struggling with their mental health, whether that's anxiety or depression, the idea of going to the grocery store, picking out foods, cooking a meal can feel so overwhelming, so what advice would you give to someone that's maybe just starting to put these pieces together of, oh, wow, I, shrug- I know I struggle with anxiety. Maybe I have, you know, X, Y, and Z things. Maybe I have yoga or exercise or a therapist to kind of work through these things and, and I'm ready to take that next step, but it just feels overwhelming. Like what, what are some tips that you would give someone in just starting out?
1: So if you're feeling unable to kind of go to the supermarket and get yourself groceries or get on one of the apps and order your groceries so they get delivered, because literally you can look at that anti-anxiety shopping, list, look at a few ingredients and pick them, put them in your cart. But if you don't, you're not at that point even. Some things I suggest are pairing up with a friend or a family member who can help. Um, um, doubling. Can help prepare doubling. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly, you know, just doing it together, or you pick up the groceries, that let's cook it together. Because sometimes when we have company, it makes that task easier. Mm. We're chatting, we're doing something else. We may still have anxiety, it doesn't mean that it goes away, but there's a level of distraction that helps us get through a task. It could be a parent, be a loved one, it could be a partner, it could just be a friend. Another thing to do is to think about what are the things you can get from the supermarket where you don't have to do much. Mm. Can you order a rotisserie chicken if you eat chicken? Most supermarkets, believe it or not, just cook the rotisserie chicken in its skin, which is pretty healthy. This, as long as they're not adding unhealthy oils uh, or unhealthy ingredients like, you know, brown sugar and stuff like that, it's just a pretty healthy product. Can you, do, can you buy that? Can you portion it out into a few days, one day have a great salad, another day add it to a soup? They make some, you know, delicious tacos with lots of veggies in it, whatever it might be. So you can also start with the food that's made and use it at home. Can you go to the prepared food section? This is where you do need to be careful. But remember, you can ask them, what did you put in the salmon today? What did you put in the tofu today? How is that bean salad made? You know, if it's laced with mayo, that may not be the best choice. But if it's, you know, has some olive oil and fresh herbs and you see these sometimes at certain deli contents in, in some of the supermarkets. So you might want to start there but remember to ask the questions. Maybe you're not doing it, maybe give someone in your life and that can pick up some healthy food for you. The other easy thing that you don't have to put work into is a salad. You know if you pick out the different components or order them or have to pick them up you can just put that together. And you can have a batch in the fridge that's ready to eat. Another easy thing is cheer pudding two ingredients, maybe three, easy to do. So the days that you have a little bit more energy, maybe do some food prep or food prep with a friend or work. But I think that if we let it slide and we continue to let it slide, we know that because our food impacts our mental well-being, that you're only gonna get worse. So if you're just ordering out and you're getting the French fries, the milkshake each lunch, and then for dinner, you, you're getting the, You know the unhealthy version of whatever the dinner meal is. You're going to be feeling worse. So at some point, you kind of had to take a step back and decide, look, I want to feel better, and what are the things that I can do? And you don't, you don't have to be making a souffle. I always say that, like even the recipes in this book, it's not about making that souffle. It's really about. Can you make eggs in a mug? You know, can you make, make a simple salad? Can you quickly toss some tofu? Or can you cook some chickpeas? Some of them you don't even have to cook. You can use an air fryer, you can toss them in the oven, and that way just provide yourself with a meal for a few days even, that can help. So by no means do I want people to give up, but also don't want them to feel overwhelmed.
0: That is such, such good advice. And I love how you incorporate like community into that, like meal prepping with someone, going to the grocery store with someone that sort of like body doubling has really been beneficial for me, even though like, I don't have I mean, like I've made like some really wonderful friends up here, but everyone's kind of like spaced far away. So another way I've actually done that is just kind of had like my favorite podcast playing Mm. and stuff. So like while I'm at the store or like when I get home, like continuing to have just like someone else speaking to me. I love that. I love that. While
1: I'm doing
0: some things for myself. I love
1: that. It made me realize the other thing that I tell my clients to do is if you're on your own, your friends are, you know, far apart. Also, you could do things on Zoom together. So you could, you know, kind of, almost champion each other by doing it together. And it doesn't mean if the dish comes out perfectly or one of us has forgotten an ingredient, it's the companionship and the community. Podcast is a fantastic idea.
0: So kind of along those lines a little bit, what foods should people avoid that like really do trigger anxiety and like end up making you feel kind of worse?
1: the ultra processed foods junk foods fast foods are one of the big categories so more times we can step away from them maybe have less of them in our life and more whole foods then the extra sugars added in refined sugars so i'm not talking about you know a little quite a couple of blueberries although that has sugar it has fiber and other nutrients i'm really talking about the added sugars in ketchup salad dressings you know, lots of savory foods we don't realize, even like pasta sauces that are store bought, or all these sort of things that we we know have a lot of sugar, like soda and you know, candy and cookies and all of that. Chocolate so that's frosting, category, right? Chocolate frosting, chocolate cake, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, again, By no means am I saying you don't have a slice of chocolate cake on your birthday. I'm just saying, let's not sort of make that our meal every day or our only meal. So it's about that balance. And so that's a big category. Then artificial sweetness is a big one that many people don't even realize because diet sodas are full of sweetness that actually really to the gut and can really worsen anxiety and like that. And then the unhealthy fats, hydrogenated fats, trans fats, the things that are shelf-stable baked goods are problematic so those are some of the big categories and remember that things like fast foods have those unhealthy oils that they're fried in so to save money and to be cost effective the fast food restaurants are not choosing you know premium avocado or olive oil they are using a lot of unhealthy seed oils that are pro-inflammatory so that's another thing that makes those fast foods and stuff more unhealthy for us
2: To me, this really, I think realistically, I love how your approach is more holistic because to me, I think, you know, you hear all these things like these things are obviously going to help your health overall, too, and your mental health. I know for me, that biggest barrier, I think, is that lifestyle change of going to the grocery store and making the meals like because I think it's so easy in our American culture to get into this cycle of just ordering postmates and then I'm gonna have the leftover postmates and then I'm just gonna, you know, pick something up at the hospital like for lunch. And I, I love this what we were, you know, kind of discussing earlier about is there a way that you can Make the meal planning and the grocery shopping more enjoyable, something to look forward to. And I love that's why your book has that. Th- literally, the grocery list it makes your life so easy. It takes that like meal planning because meal planning takes a lot of mental space. That's why I love your book; i's such a great resource. <laughs>
1: Thank you. It's meant to be that you know. It's meant to be a, a practical guide that people can literally say, "Look, these I've done the work for you. I've done the research and put it into the book. Take the list." follow the meals. You don't have to make every meal. It may not even come out the right way. That's okay. It's not about judgment. It's about the more times that we're eating healthily, what we're forgetting is that it impacts our mental well being. And there are other people who say, you're oh, ugly to me, oh, well, you know, if you're eating healthy, your, your health is going to be better anyway. Actually, people don't realize we talked about leptin. Yeah. But our mental health is associated with my metabolic health now. So if we are driving our bodies towards type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance, we are just naturally going to be more anxious. Go, our mood is going to dip. All of this stuff is going to happen. So it's actually not entirely true. Yes, our physical health, health will improve. In fact, some of my patients even lose weight, but it has a massive impact on our mental health. So I don't think we can overlook that anymore. It just becomes important to prepare as best we can. And so easy to tap into convenience food. So yeah, oh. it, it's, it, it's just something for us to be aware of.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I do want to ask you like one more quick thing, just because Jack and I did an episode on Ozempic, but I'm wondering if you're seeing any sort of research out there with there being like such an increased use, not necessarily among people that need it, but if that is also maybe affecting this like leptin hormone in our bodies, or is that more of what like the, the GLP, what like, is that what it's working on is affecting this hormone and is that affecting our mental health too
1: so it's interesting because some of the you know so so with the exam i think there's so many such a sort of mixed bag of information i think that for me as a psychiatrist one of the biggest things i take away from this conversation is the amount of shame people feel though if they've actually struggled with their weight and they haven't been I think the downside of it is that, you know, patients who have type 2 diabetes, who have and are need of this medication, may not get it on time. That's the balance that we're playing with. Interestingly, there have been some, some reports that people uh, with type 2 diabetes have taken those, that have lessened in ID. Mm. So it could be some of these side effects, believe it or not, could be. So, so in other words, I'm trying to say, let's take a step back. It's not all bad. You know, right. yes, you need to choice responsibly. It is acting on these, say, this, these different hormones that affect our metabolism and they're different. they big and many other of these medications. Some of the downsides are people are, we're not clear that you, you don't have to take the rest of your life. We, some people have had negative effects and it's not done well in it. So not everyone who's taking it has done well. And so I think looking at the whole picture, let's try to be more inclusive in our society and not shape people who have weight issues and understand that they might be seeking a solution. And one of the things I learned when we studied obesity medicine is, you know, never assume that someone who's overweight is not trying. Mm. It may be their genetics, it may be their disposition. it may, they, they might be exercising more than you are or I am, but it could be that they are just having this harder time to uh, see any weight loss. So I think with all of that, there's just so many conversations with those with Epic that get rolled in. But I'm interested to really see if there are some positive mental health benefits and explore that more through research.
0: Wow. That was just the last minute like curiosity I had just talking through like some of the hormones and stuff like that related to but anything new coming up like down the pipeline. Are you touring promoting the book at all or is there going to be a third book?
1: So, you know, I definitely feel like there's another book in me somewhere where I'm not sure and, and on what I'm not clear yet, <laughs> uh, because it takes so much energy to, to bring forth each book, right? I think the most exciting thing is that I have a few years for this year to bring this message forward in a mm. bigger bolder way. And my team and I are just trying to figure out what's the best way to do that. We don't come landed on the solution yet, but we know that this is so important to offer people flexible solutions, and we want to be what I consider to be a voice of reason. We're not going to be the eat this, not that group. We're not going to be the the group that you know, oust you because you eat a certain food group and ask you to exclude a lot of things that may actually be healthy if you're eating them. You may just need guidance on how to eat them or how to prepare them. So, you know, as those plans unfold, I'll be sure to let you guys know.
0: Oh my gosh, I am so glad we made that work. She is, like you said, I mean, like she is one of the warmest guests but truly so knowledgeable like I respect her so much I like wanted to like make myself look presentable like more presentable just for her and more
2: professional if that makes any sense 100%. I agree with you completely. And it is truly groundbreaking work that she is doing on the gut brain connection and how to use food to support your mental health. Please go follow Dr. Uma Naidu on Instagram at Dr. D-R-U-M-A-N-A-I-D-O-O. There you can find links to her website You can also grab her books, sign up for her newsletter, her courses, and more. You can also find her books at any major retailer, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, Bookshop. Or if you're like me and like to Audible, she has both of these books on Audible.
0: That's amazing. She's everywhere, and she should be. We love her so much. And hope you enjoyed this two part series. Um, as always, every like, rate, review, share the podcast helps us out so much. We love you and we hope you have a great week. WOMED
2: out.